Bible says the message of the cross is foolishness. 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 Foolishness to those that are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Guys, how are we doing? Welcome back. This is Brian Sumner, your host. Hope you're doing amazing. And this is episode 19 of the Foolishness Podcast. And today we're going to do something a little different. Yes, there's interviews. Yes, there's topics. But from time to time, we're going to drop in some teaching or some preaching. And what you're going to hear today is a recent sermon of myself at a good friend's church in Newport Beach, where I was asked to share on Holy Spirit evangelism. Yes, we are Christians. Yes, we believe the gospel, but God is continuing that work in us through the power of the Holy Spirit as we listen to and aim to live following the scriptures. And I myself am constantly doing ministry. And by that, what I mean is when I came to faith in 2004, doors began to open for me to travel, uh, to speak. It became churches. It became recovery centers. It became schools and colleges and universities. I'm almost 40 now. And this has been going for such a long time. And the reason this is all funded is by way of people like yourself who support monthly. If you are someone that is getting fed from these podcasts or someone that would like to say, I believe in what God has called Brian to, and this is what I do full time. If I had a full time job, I couldn't do Bible school. I couldn't prep. I couldn't go. So please consider going to briansumner.net slash support as we do our quarterly giving and support to help meet the needs of the ministry. And other than that, God bless you, and thanks for checking in. Here's the sermon. Talk to you guys soon. And tonight I've been asked to speak on Holy Spirit evangelism. What does it mean to speak on Holy Spirit evangelism? Well, is there such a thing as Holy Spirit-less evangelism? Can you go and cast the net without the Holy Spirit? Can you sow seeds without the Holy Spirit? Can a sinner become a saint without the Holy Spirit? Even just thinking about these verses in the Bible, the stories you probably know in John 3 where Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night telling him that he understands who he is and Jesus says, you can't see the kingdom unless you were born again. He tells him that which is born of the flesh gives birth to the flesh. That which is born of the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. Amen? It's a Holy Spirit work that opens a person's eyes. Even when he says to Peter, who do men say that I am? He tells him, some say John, the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, the prophet. But Peter, who do you say that I am? He says, you're the Messiah. You're the son of God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but who? My father in heaven, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Even if we consider here one of the main verses, John 16, 6, it says of the Holy Spirit's power when he comes, when he shows up, he will convict the world of sin. I say all that and suddenly to say how often can we speak of evangelism? Can we read of evangelism? Can we watch videos of great evangelists without really hearing about the Holy Spirit? If we're going to talk about evangelism, we have to talk about the Holy Spirit. And I tried to go other places. I wanted to go in different routes. And I felt like God was really making me sit upon this idea of the Holy Spirit, which you want to ask yourself as we get into this, Lord, where am I with you? Not in a condemning or even convicting way. How do I view you? 
How do I understand you? To speak on this topic tonight, I mean, where do we go? Do we focus on the gospel in 1 Corinthians 15? It is about the life and the death and the resurrection. And we need the gospel. Amen. The gospel is the power on the salvation. I didn't know Jesus till I was the age of 24, divorced and suicidal, and for seven months tried to disprove the Bible, but it was when I heard I was reckless and dead in sin. As Paul says, the law was a schoolmaster that I was led to repentance and came to faith in Christ. Amen? We need the gospel. Do we unpack the Great Commission tonight? How many of you guys know every day you're called to live out the Great Commission? Amen? When you're in rehab, focus on the Great Commission. When you're struggling with porn, focus on the Great Commission. When you're all about yourself, focus on the Great Commission. And it will lead you away from the things of the world into the things of God. Or do we tonight try and unpack the Holy Spirit and his manifest presence? And some of you say, boy, that would be interesting, but where are we going to end up? Amen? I say all that to say, as I unpack this, my idea is to conservatively say, do you just walk with the Holy Spirit daily as you leave this place today do you know who is leaving with you as you wake up tomorrow and maybe your wife's having a bad day amen maybe you are there's no women in here we can confess some stuff is the holy spirit present with you when your kids are acting up when the flesh is going for it is a spirit present with you and i say all of this because we need to understand that the gospel is for us to share We're co-missioned into this life, but we've also been giving the power of God. And you say, well, Brian, are you going to speak so much about the Holy Spirit? Well, what about Jesus? Think about Jesus. Jesus shows up to those fishermen. What does he say? Follow me. I will make you fishers of men. And for three and a half years, he showed them how to do that. Signs and miracles and wonders, raising the dead, casting out demons, performing all kinds of miracles where people were able to eat food and eyes were open and ears and all the rest of it. But then at the end of it all, and I'm saying this to save you here last time, everything Jesus spoke was the Great Commission. Follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. He showed him how to do it for three and a half years. And then when he left in our text today, Matthew 28, what does he begin to say? Jesus has died and resurrected now. He shows up to his disciples. I'm sure some of them are freaking out. And he says to you and I, if we could be before him. It said, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. How many of you guys know God in the form of Jesus has all authority? Amen. They thought he died. They were ready to take over Rome and here he is. And they think he's finally going to lead us where we need to go. And what does he say? I want you to what? Go. And what did we see last time? If you study the word go in the Greek, what does it mean? Go. Go. I want you to go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them always to observe all that I have commanded you. And what does he say next? And behold, I am with you always, even until what? The end of the age. Does anyone know what he does next? He leaves. I'm with you even till the end of the age. And he left and was not with them till the end of the age. Amen. If I say I'm going to preach tonight for 40 minutes and I leave the middle of the sermon, I'm not with you for the whole sermon. Jesus says, all authority has been given. I want you to go. I'm with you to the end of the age. And the next minute he takes off into heaven. Can I ask you today, how is it that Jesus is still with them? How is it that Jesus is still with us? And what do we see? He takes off into heaven. But who does he send? Holy Spirit. We can talk about God. The president talks about God all day. 
We can say, God bless you. We can give God the title. We can even talk about Jesus because we're radical and we're Christians. Amen? Well, you talk about the Holy Spirit and people say, well, what does that mean? Is he some mystical force that gets on your food when you pray? Does he show up and make things uncomfortable for certain denominations? And they say, what are we going to do with the Holy Spirit? It's been said of how neglected people sometimes can feel within the walls of the church. There's no one more neglected or overlooked than who? The Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Genesis, God created the heavens and the earth. It says in Colossians 1, 15, 16, 17, that all things are made by him, for him, and through him. So there's Jesus, the architect, author, and finisher of our faith. Amen? But it says in Job 33, 4, the Spirit of God made me. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, if we're going to talk about Holy Spirit evangelism, if you're going to consider the Holy Spirit in your walk as a Christian, you might not even be thinking about evangelism today. Your life could be upside down, but your walk is with the person of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Who is he? He's a he. He's not an it. He's not a thing. He is a he. He's not a force. He's not only the one who empowers the grace of God, some kind of moral law. He is a person. And without the person of the Holy Spirit within every believer, there will be no evangelism. My first point with this thought is simply this. The Holy Spirit is who empowers all believers for effective evangelism. And you might be saying, is this guy going to speak about the Holy Spirit for the rest of the time? Well, Brian, Paul said to preach Christ and Christ crucified. So let's look at Jesus. Amen. Guys, when did Jesus' ministry start? At what age? He was 30. What did he do before that? We see him in the temple. We see that he had wisdom. We know that he was growing in stature. But at 30 years of age, here comes Jesus walking down the shores of the Jordan. And his cousin John, what does he say? John the Baptist. Behold, W Church, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And he takes his cousin Jesus and he baptizes him. And who do we see present? God the Father who says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And this is a term for giving him what he's owed. He says, I'm going to bless him now to the call that I've given to him. And as he says this, we have God the Father, God the Son. And who shows up next? The Holy Spirit. And you say, that's the picture of the Holy Spirit I have. He's a dove and he's gentle and he overlooks my life. And that's the extent of I think about him. This isn't what we see of Jesus. What we see of Jesus is he is baptized right then. The spirit descends in the form of a dove. And what does he do next? You guys want to be led by the spirit? Here's where the spirit led Jesus. Amen. Out into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. Matthew 4, 4. Then he goes and gets his fishermen friends from the verses we just seen. Follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Then he goes into the synagogue and what is the first thing he begins to speak on? The Holy Spirit. He opens the Isaiah scroll and here's what he says. He says in Luke 4, 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And that's important. Highlight that, upon me. Because, why Jesus? Why is it important the Spirit of God is upon you? Because he has anointed me. He has empowered me. This is the time of my mission at 30 years of age. For the next three and a half years, I'm going to go and flip the world upside down. Begin a Jewish sect that is still going on today and is being preached about right here and now. Amen. The Spirit of God is upon me because he has anointed me. And if you want to know what it means to live evangelistically, these verses right here tell you what the goal of evangelism is. 
He says next in Luke 4, 18, and guys, I'm going to run through many verses, and I've heard it said, sometimes it's good to take notes, but sometimes it's good just to sit there and listen, because I'm probably speaking faster than most people you know. Amen? This is not tongues, by the way. Don't try and interpret that. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. And we say, Jesus, why are you anointed? To proclaim good news to the poor, which is to preach the gospel, salvation in Christ. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, those who are bound in sin, who come to faith through repentance. Recovery of sight to the blind. And this is both spiritual and physical. He is a healing God to set at liberty those who are oppressed. This is deliverance from oppression. This is setting people free. John 10.10, what does he say? The thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give you what? Life more abundantly. And he says in verse 19 here, I've also come, I'm also anointed, the Spirit is upon me, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. If you were a slave back then and you were controlled at the time of the master's favor, you would be released. This is why we were once slaves to sin, but now we've been set free. And we're slaves no longer, but slaves to Christ, the doulos. Amen? I say all of that because if you want to say, where am I in my walk? You are somewhere living that out. Daily, that is the commission. Daily, this is the gospel. Why am I tarrying long on this? Old English word there. Because every single thing that Jesus did, do you know in whose power he did it? The power of the Holy Spirit. You read Luke throughout, it's all about the power of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit's power, walking up on water, speaking to that fig, everything that he did was by the Holy Spirit's power. And what does Luke tell us? He writes the Gospel of Luke, and then he writes the Acts of the Apostles that many scholars and theologians believe should be called the Acts of who? The Holy Spirit, because everything Jesus did was in the power of the Holy Spirit. When I first read this, I said, well, what do you mean? Is this sure? Is this factual? And as my brother said here, reading the book of Acts blows your mind. We're going to open a bunch of texts tonight, and you'll see why I say this. Because consider this in Acts 1.1. Dr. Luke continues to write from Luke into Acts 1. And listen to what he says. This is powerful. Acts 1.1, in the first book, O Theophilus, that's who he's writing to. I have dealt with what? All that Jesus began to do and teach. I've told you everything that he did until the day he was taken up. We just finished the verse then. After he had given the commandments through who? The Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. Dr. Luke, the physician, is saying every single thing Jesus did is in the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts 28, 25, he finishes the book of Acts. And look what Paul says rebuking some of those religious leaders. It says they were disagreeing among themselves and they departed after Paul had made one statement. That the Holy Spirit was right saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet. He's saying 750 years ago the Holy Spirit was speaking through the prophets. What he's saying is everything recorded in the Bible is spoken through the Holy Spirit. All the signs, miracles, and wonders we see. All the salvations. The Holy Spirit is the unsung hero of the text. Amen? It's all about God because you so love the world. It's all about Jesus for the joy set before him. But it's also about the Holy Spirit. This is why in John 14, 12, Jesus says, Truly, truly. And when your Savior says something twice, do you think you need to listen? Truly, truly, I say to you, and you've got to personalize this to Brian, to you, whoever you are, 
Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Are any of us going to hang on a cross for the sins of the world? No. But what Jesus is saying is we will accomplish way more across the planet, across the world, through pews and through song and through putting our hand to the plow. We will accomplish so much more. There'll be greater works. Why? Because he is going to the Father. Which is why he says to us, and I hope you guys are tracking in John 16, 7, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away because if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. What he's saying is, guys, everything you've seen me do that Luke and the book of Acts are about to unpack, I need to leave so I can send someone to do the work. Not greater than Jesus, but able to now leave and go everywhere with us. Amen. We made this point last time. If Jesus was here today and he leaves with you, there goes Jesus. We're without Jesus. But if the Holy Spirit is here, when Jesus leaves, he's gone. We all have the Holy Spirit abiding inside of all of us. Amen. He says it's to your advantage. Why? Think about this. I'm going to be honest for a second. I realize this going through this message. Jesus saved them, sustained them, took care of them, protected them, provided for them. If Jesus was walking with me every day and with you, you can get marriage advice. You can get advice on your boss. Everything he said was godly advice. Amen. You'd feel pretty secure. What Jesus is saying is, do you trust the Holy Spirit in the same way? I am leaving. If Jesus was here, I'd be like, let's go to the most radical place, Skid Row, Vegas. I mean, wherever you want to go. You want to go to Iraq right now with Jesus? Let's go. How bold do you guys feel? Jesus is saying, no. The same way you've trusted me to do everything in and through and for you, I need you to be able to trust the Holy Spirit in the same way. And why? Because here's some of the things that the Holy Spirit does as we live for him in us and out to the world. It says that he convicts, John 16 and 8, when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. You can't even come to faith if the Holy Spirit doesn't do this. He seals, Ephesians 1.13. This is to you, church. In him, you also, after hearing the message of truth, the gospel, praise God, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. He is who saved and sealed you and did the work. And Jesus is interceding for you and the chaos you may be in right now. Amen. He is who indwells. Listen to this, guys. Don't just be another church service. I understand that tonight was going to be pretty teachy. And I know I like to get around a lot, share a lot of stuff and unpack. But I feel like God was like, I just want you to sit in the text and boast in the Holy Spirit so we can truly have the confidence of what Jesus died to give us. Amen. In the Garden of Eden, they walk with God every day. Then they were separated after the fall, spiritually bless you. In Genesis 6, we hear that God says, my spirit will no longer dwell with man. So it's about the blood. It's about the cross. It's about all these things, salvation. But they are a means to get us back to who? God, to walk with him. And we do it daily by walking in who? The Holy Spirit. He indwells with us. It says John 14, 17. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. 
Bible says he teaches us, John 14, 26. It says he guides us. How many of you guys need guiding? John 16, 13. When the spirit of truth has come, he will lead you into all truth. Yes, to the apostles of that day, but for you and I. Galatians 5 says he bears fruit. John 16, 7 says he comforts and helps. I need that daily. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 7 says he equips. Ephesians 5, 18, don't be drunk, which is dissipation, but instead be what? Filled with the Spirit of God. Acts 1, 8, as we said, is what empowers us. And think about this. Ephesians says we're not to grieve the Holy Spirit. And the book of Acts even teaches that when Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Spirit, that they fell down dead. Ouch. Amen. You can't lie to a thing. You can't grieve in it. The Holy Spirit is a person. You say, Brian, why are you making such a big emphasis? Because Jesus said the most radical things about you. Not only did he die, not only did he shed his blood, resurrect, but Jesus said of you and I, as the Father has sent me, I'm also sending who? You. He said the same spirit that raised Jesus is now in you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that that spirit that helped multiply the loaves is in this room in you? Do you believe the spirit that generated that body and he came to life and rose again is in you? Because that is hard to believe. Amen? I know it. I'll go to my grave. I'll take a bullet for it. I know I'm in Christ, but that is a powerful statement. It's powerful to think because often you know what we do when we think about evangelism? We focus on what we don't have rather than what we are. Do. I'm not like that guy. I don't speak like this person. I don't live like them. I don't have these resources. No, you have the Holy Spirit. Wherever you are, whatever situation you are in, God wants to use you. You are not plan B. You are plan A. Amen. Do I really live as though this power that resurrected Jesus was there with him upon the cross? As Jesus interceding for me in heaven is really with me every day. Why? For those who don't know my story, I'm not going to go too deep into it, but not knowing Jesus for 24 years, the amazing thing for me was when I came to faith, after being divorced and suicidal and all over the place, as I came to faith, there were people in the community, skateboarders I was, I was around, who actually said, I remember the Lord telling me, go and speak to Brian. Go and sit with Brian. And that's completely subjective to you, but I got to think that the same way God would tell those people, God would also tell me to go speak to someone. And God would also tell you, amen? I am remarried. I have two more children. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Amen? But I remember guys who might have walked with him for years who were more conservative saying, you know what? I'm kind of bummed because I knew the Lord was telling me. They knew the Lord was leading me. Now, was that God in heaven? Was that Jesus? Or who was it that was beginning to say that? It was the Holy Spirit. And as I shared last time, what do we know about who we are? The Bible says that you and I are living epistles read by all men. You leave this church today, you're God's letter to the world. The Bible says in Revelation 19.10 that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Imagine knowing someone who was divorced and suicidal, didn't want to live, and you can go and share with that person this truth by listening to the Holy Spirit and saying, Lord, I have your word, I have your text, I know it's true, but Holy Spirit, what are you telling me to go do? One of my favorite verses in text to speak to me, Proverbs 29, 18. People are perishing for lack of what? Vision. People are perishing. That was me dead in sin. I didn't know the Lord. We sing the song. We once were lost, but now we're what? 
found. Once was blind, but now we see. But what about everyone else? I went through this last time, but think about what James says. He says, life is a vapor. I say, thank you, Jesus. You saved me when I was 24. Well, I'm going to be 40 this year, and I've encountered so many people who don't yet know Jesus. So what about them being lost? What are them needing to get found? Amen. How many of you guys are in full-time ministry? How many of you guys are Christians? That's how many of you guys are in full-time ministry. Amen. The divine appointment for you began when you came to faith and it ends when you get to heaven because there'll be no evangelism there. This is why I think about it. We leave it to other people, but guys, I'm not going where you're going tomorrow. I'm not talking to that person. I'm not online with that person. I'm not engaged with your family, your friends, even your enemies. You are. That's why the Bible says of you and I, 1 Peter 2.9, you are a chosen generation. You've been saved and set apart. God says of you and I, you are a royal priesthood, that you are holy. Do I believe this power of the Holy Spirit is in this goofy-sounding English guy? Do I really believe that? That has taken some faith. Amen? What are you guys laughing at, huh? Do I believe that? Do I believe I'm really set apart for the things of God? Well, do you know why this is hard to believe? And we're going to unpack this and see some deeper things about the Spirit. Because this is exactly why the book of Acts, Acts 1 and 4 says, Jesus being referred to here. It says, while staying with them, he ordered them, his disciples, not to depart from where? Jerusalem. But to wait from the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard from me. John baptized you with water, but I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. The Holy Spirit is who enables all evangelism. We see Jesus speaking this throughout the Gospels, and we even hear John saying, there's one coming after me whose sandals I am unworthy to untie. I baptize with water, but he will baptize with what? The Holy Spirit. In Luke 24, 49, Jesus said, behold, and again, church, pay attention. He says, behold, I am sending the promise of my father upon you. Stay in the city. Why is he sending the promise? Why are we waiting? Because the same way in Luke 4, he said, the spirit of God is upon me because he has anointed me. He was about to drop the spirit of God upon the church and give birth to her. He said, stay in the city until you are clothed with what? Power from on high. If we read the Old Testament, guys, what do we see? We see that God chooses certain people. They all get to sacrifice. They all get to follow. Even the foreign nations, the Gentiles can come in and become part of it. But his spirit was only on certain people. How many Christians is the spirit of God on today? All of them. Every one of them. It was prophets, priests, and kings in the Old Testament only for certain times. But for you and I, the Bible says this power is upon us. And the kind of power he's talking about is where we get the word for dynamite, the dunamis power. This is the kind of power that when we go and share, think nothing will happen, the Holy Spirit meets us there. This is the kind of power where when you pray for someone, something takes place. This is the kind of power that when you speak the word of God, he is there anointing it and bringing conviction to the heart. Amen. I would love to see signs, miracles, wonders. These things are great, but there's nothing more miraculous than seeing a sinner become a saint. Nothing greater than hearing heaven rejoice one day because of all the people that may have come to faith because God used you. Please don't see this as a Thursday night where we're hanging out in a church in Newport Beach because there are people being killed around the world for simply owning this book. Amen. 
people that translated this book for you and I to speak for as long as we want were put to their grave for simply translating this book. What am I saying? Is that all believers have the Holy Spirit because as we heard in Acts 1.8, there they were gathered together in a room and I'll read it for us. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses, oftentimes better translated as my martyrs, meaning you'll be empowered to die for me, die to self, live for me, carry your cross to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to where? Ends of the earth. The book of Acts is about Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and where else have we got to go? Have we gone to the ends of the earth yet or no? Do we still need the Spirit of God? Do we still need this power? So there they are gathered in the book of Acts in Acts 2. They're all hanging out in a room. And what takes place? The Bible says there's a rushing wind. There's a sound that takes over the room. After Passover, days later, it says in Acts 2, 2. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. It filled the entire house where they were sitting. And the Bible says divided tongues of fire appeared to them. And they rested on each one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. There they are, casual, waiting, unawares of what will happen. They've heard of the Holy Spirit descending in the form of a dove. And suddenly things begin to glow. We hear this noise. And suddenly as the Spirit falls upon them, they begin to speak. And outside there's Jews from different regions. And they're hearing in different languages. They can hear their own dialect. And they say, it sounds like those guys in that room are drunk. And what does Peter do? Peter of all people, God is intentional, amen, who was timid, though he was willing to fight anyone. In the spirit he was weak, but in the flesh he tried to be mighty and where did it get him, amen? Go read the story of Samson. Do not live like that man. But what did Peter do? Peter stood up and said, we are not drunk like you suppose, but instead we are what? This is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, Acts 2 and 17, I will pour out my spirit on what? All flesh. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. 2,000 years ago, the Holy Spirit showed up. And many today say, I'm still waiting on him. We are not friends. He is waiting on us. Amen. He says it will be in the last days that this will take place. And do you know what time we're living in? There isn't end times. But the last days is from when Jesus shows up until either you pass away or Jesus returns. Amen. He says the spirit of God will be on the earth. And we think about how the kingdom has expanded across the earth because the believers are constantly sharing their faith more so than ever. Do you know there's more Christians being persecuted today than any other time in history? One in 12 Christians live in nations where they are persecuted. And I feel spoiled for getting to just hang out with you guys, get sweaty in front of some lights, and unpack the scriptures while other people are hated and possibly being killed for even owning a Bible. All this talk of the Holy Spirit, and some of you say, well, what denomination are you, Brian? Is there a second baptism? Is there a third baptism? What does it mean? I just go with what the Bible says, amen. Here's what it says in 1 Corinthians 12 and 3. No one can say that Jesus is Lord except in the who? Holy Spirit. If you're a believer, the Spirit of God lives in you. If you're a believer, the Spirit and the power of God is present. Now in the book of Acts, we see constant outpourings. Why? 
because it was to the Gentiles, they're all kind of little day of Pentecost, if you like. There was times when he constantly filled all of them. But why am I saying this? Because the Spirit was given for our fellowship with God. The Spirit was given for us to be empowered for the call. And listen to what Paul says to us in 2 Corinthians one twenty one. Guys, you getting something out of this? I don't want to go over everyone's heads and be too deep, but I feel like if you're going to speak on the Holy Spirit's evangelism, let's see how we evangelize some people. Amen? I joke because we can sit in a Marvel movie for three hours and be entertained, but you begin to open the way to God and people start falling asleep. We need the Holy Spirit. Amen? He says in 2 Corinthians 1.21, it is God who establishes us with you in Christ. And there's a word I want to look at here. And he has anointed us who has also put his seal on us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Jesus was anointed in the Jordan. And I've heard many preachers say, oh, this guy's really anointed, this guy really is, and this guy lost his anointing. That's not Bible. The Bible says in 1 John 2.20, every one of us has been anointed. In the Old Testament, when David, when Saul, when whoever was set apart, they took the oil and they poured it out and they put it on that man and he was anointed with oil, many believe to be symbolic of the Spirit of God that is now poured upon you and I to set us apart. Amen? You and I have been anointed the same way Jesus was anointed. He had a different call and you and I have a different call. You want to know how? Let's be honest, this is church, amen? How many of you guys ever tried to walk on water? You are definitely lying because I've tried it many times. Amen. How many of you guys tried to walk on water? Did you do it? Do you know why you can't walk on water? Because you're not anointed to walk on water. You don't need to do it. If you could do it, we'd film it, put it on YouTube, and it would all be about you. Jesus was anointed to do it. Amen. You're anointed to do exactly what you need to do. There's exactly enough time, exactly enough gifting. I didn't want to give us all these methods tonight and say, here's what you do to make everything work. I wanted to say, Lord, let's just think about the Holy Spirit. So when you go to Del Taco tonight, or you go surf tomorrow, or you go where you are, you say, Lord, am I really anointed? Do I really have the word of God in me? Do I really have a conviction? Am I really enabled as a vessel, like I said, a living epistle read by all men to be an evangelist for you? And the answer is yes. He didn't call you to go because you couldn't go. Amen. It's a passive verb. Go to a nation. Go to a country. We're going to have to stay there for some time because if you keep going, no one will be where you went. Amen. We're called to go in a passive sense, but the point is we have been anointed. You needed to hear that. Jesus had his own cross to carry. Jesus has his own call. And you've got to ask yourself, do we really believe that? We hear the Holy Spirit. I'm sure some of you are saying, when is he going to get focused on the manifest presence and all these kind of things? And the reason I don't want to go there and talk about people falling over or barking like dogs and all the rest of it is because what I want to focus on is the practicalness of a man of God loving his wife, serving in a church, being faithful on his taxes, being an example to people. I believe signs and miracles wonders all day, but these signs follow those who believe. Amen? I was at the block about a few years ago, and I was skateboarding at the time. I was sitting down eating, and a guy came up to me. And he said, do you mind if I pray for you? And I didn't know him really. I said, sure. He says, do you mind if I pray for one of your legs? I was like, well, what's wrong with my leg? And he says, well, you know, this one looks a bit shorter. So he sat there, and he prayed for me. And what do you think happened to my leg? He told me it grew. Amen? And listen to me. And listen to me. Listen to me. I'm not joking. 
And he turned to walk away. And I said, listen, man, are you going to share the gospel with me? And I literally said, what good is it if I go to hell with a longer leg, but I never heard the gospel? (laughs) Guys, I'm saying this because listen... Listen, I'm for prayer, I'm for healing, but I'm saying there's so much going on today where we are chasing these signs. Listen, guys, I was divorced and suicidal. It is not a joke. People are getting lost all around us. This is a hospital where people need to come to faith. Amen? We have inside of us the power of God. We've been going downtown Huntington for some time and now people are showing up with these big signs and the way to bait people is saying free psychic readings. And their idea is that when someone walks over, they're going to pray in the spirit and have like a word. And they'll say, well, really, it's the Holy Spirit. My mindset is like, why are you going there? Why are you saying this? Like, why are you trying to make people's legs grow? Why don't you just go in the power of God and believe for healing anyway? Why don't you just go and believe the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you? And, And why am I saying that? Because as we talk about the Holy Spirit, as we talk about these kind of things, we've got to learn to be practical in it. We've got to say every day God will have you doing a job at least six days out the week. Amen. He's going to have you in that home, have you in that church, have you in that community. So is he not the same God who's going to lead you in those ways? Second point, and I want to say this. The Holy Spirit is who leads and directs all evangelism. Tonight we could have come in here and I could have honored the team and said, you know what, we did this three-week course about five or six years ago. We're going to do this whole teaching and Monday night you're going to launch and you're going to go do all these things and we're going to count the numbers. And I said, you know what, I felt like the Lord was saying, no, I just want you to talk about me. I just want them to leave that place and have a Bible and have me and my presence and just go where I lead them. Just be willing to do what I do. It's always according to the word of God. Amen. It's always going to line up with what Scripture says, but one of my life verses, one of the first verses I ever heard, Romans 8 and 14, all who are led by the Spirit of God are what? Sons of God. Everyone who's led. That means if you're not listening to the Spirit, you're not Son of God. No, what he means is you will be led by the Spirit of God if you're choosing to listen. The Bible is the standard. Amen. Don't get me wrong. We're not adding to the canon. We're adding new prophecy. But when he says all are led, he says you're accompanied by him. He's the one that leads you. You're guided by him. You're influenced by him. And here's an example. No one's going to add to the canon of scripture. No one's got their personal interpretation. But Billy Graham was led by the spirit of God to do what he did. Amen. Pastor Chuck was led to plant Calvary Chapel. Amen. I sat with Pastor Brian a few weeks ago and I asked him about revival. I want to hear about it. What does people's take? And he said, you know, Brian, that was a little bit before my time, but I know that that is still taking place. And as I stopped and thought about it, I remember speaking at Calvary Chapel and saying to the church in the intro, I just said, man, can you imagine if there wasn't a church in Orange County 35 years ago, what would there have been? Would it have been overly Pentecostal and radical? Would it have been word of faith to a dangerous point and someone actually said to me, or would there have been nothing? Why I'm saying that is because 30 years ago, I believe the Holy Spirit really did do a work in that church, amen? And the Jesus movement was birthed out of it. And I say that because I go around the world at times, 60 to 70% of the ministries I'm part of, you know what ministry it is? Calvary Chapel. And when he said, I believe it is still going, what he's saying is, the Holy Spirit simply spoke, And people trusted in. And there hasn't been a Calvary Chapel that I've been to where they have not been evangelistically focused. You see what I'm saying? 
I'm saying that I believe that God still speaks in this way. And even if you say, Brian, I don't know that. Even my most conservative friends say stuff like this. We feel called to move to Arizona. I feel called to this seminary. I feel called to go and do this. I feel called to be the baseball coach. I feel called to do all these things. Is that not how the Spirit of God moves? Amen? When I first sat with your pastor, with Pastor Brian, do you remember? I'd met everyone else in the church, and finally we got to hang out, and we had a conversation over, I believe, tacos, and he says, you know, this year we really want to focus on evangelism and where the Holy Spirit would lead us. That is a good church to be in. Amen? Sounds like the Bible. And I said, well, what do you mean with the Holy Spirit? And he says, well, there's been times in my life where I knew the Holy Spirit spoke, and right away we go, well, that's objective. And he began to share with me a story. I asked, could I share this? And it's powerful, and you'll see why. He talked about when he was in his 30s and a youth pastor. And a gentleman came into the room, and he felt like God said, I want you to come alongside this person for the next year. He just felt this impression. And then telling your wife, right? And she said, okay, babe, what are we going to do? And they came along this family for a year. You fast forward a year now, and the family is planted in the church, and God is moving everyone forward. And sometime later, through sickness, and I believe your kidneys, right? There's things going on. He's searching all over the state who has this kidney. By now, the family's plugged in. They've come to faith. They're serving the Lord. And this young kid who's underage to sign his own waiver says, you know, I know I'm the person that has this kidney. I know I'm the person. And they go and get the test. They go and get the checkup, and the doctors confirm it. And so they were able to do the surgery, and your pastor was able to be blessed through something God said. Amen? He said this to me, and the next day, here's where it gets crazy. I'm in my kitchen. I'm waking up in the morning. We just hung out. My wife's cousin comes over to the house, and she is going through it in her marriage and all her stuff. There's craziness, and I'm sitting there saying, Lord, I just want her to have an encounter with you. She's heard the gospel. She's understood. She knows. And as she's sitting there talking to my wife, I feel like God says, tell her that story that Pastor Brian told you. Why would I tell someone that story when she's going through literally hell on earth? Amen. I begin to tell her that story. And as I'm telling her the story, she's looking at me and she says, that's crazy. She didn't even realize what was happening. I didn't know what was happening. She said, my mom's best friend for many years had a son and he had that same issue. He had an issue where they went through a rough patch and then suddenly God had spoke to the pastor or something would happen and something happened where he ended up being able to give his kidney to the pastor. And we're looking at each other and I text pastor and I say, what was his name? And he messages me and I show her his name and she begins to cry and weep. She's been going to church ever since. Why am I saying that? Because that isn't written in the pages of the Bible. That was something that the Lord was leading to. I don't know why I would suddenly tell someone about a conversation yesterday, but what I'm saying is, do we look for these opportunities ever? Guys, when I was 15, I was knocked out on a handrail, sat up, and I said to my friends who were filming, while I was throwing up, I've seen God. I'm not telling you I've seen God. I'm not getting overly spiritual, but this happened in my life. I said, I've seen God, and God told me I'm going to ride for Airwalk. I'm going to live in America. He's got a plan for my life. For two weeks, I was just so ecstatic. I got the Bible. I opened it. I read a word, tabernacle. And I said, I don't know what that means. And I put the Bible down. Tabernacle. This is a true story. It's a true story. I'd never read a Bible, never heard it. And I said, I know I've encountered God. I know I wasn't sponsored. I just started skating. Within two weeks, I was sponsored by Airwalk. 
Within three years, I was living in America. And years later, when I was telling someone of my faith, and my buddy Josh, who's sitting in the back, says he remembers me even talking about that in an article in a magazine. Years later, when I said to someone, man, I've only ever had this feeling once in my life, I realized that was the time. I'm saying all of this to say, God wants to invade your life every day in many powerful ways, but we've got to be available, amen? Going to see my friend in a shop here. And I'm, I know I'm sharing this. I'm not going to get all spooky and everything. But I've been through this season of travel. And we have a, the big kind of focus on marriage. And I asked the Lord, Lord, you need to tell me, am I meant to focus on marriages? Am I meant to go do some training? Am I meant to be able to put some resources out there? We have been through hell. And we want to bless people. And I go and see my friend that night. I only met him three or four times. We're hanging out. And as we sat down to talk, he says, I just feel like I need to pray for you. He prays for three or four minutes. He looks up to me. You know the first thing he says? You need to do marriage ministry. That was it. This is completely subjective to you. But I'm telling you this. In my life, these are the markers I've looked for. I'm going to trust the word of God. I do. Amen. But I'm also going to say, Lord, where are you leading us? Has the Lord not spoken through the team to say, let's have a night like this so we can hear it? Can we not hear it and then go out from here, out to where we need to be? Here's why I'm saying this. Is because 2 Corinthians 13, 14, this is an important verse. Paul says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. He says you need fellowship with the Holy Spirit. He didn't say only believe in Jesus. I'm not talking about salvation here. It isn't just believe and read your Bible and you're good. What he says is for you to live out this life the way God intended It's in Christ and what he did. It's walking focused on God Almighty, but it's in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. It's the koinonia, it's the walking with him alongside of him and letting him lead. Why? Because when you came to faith, there's this threefold idea of what the Holy Spirit does in you and you see it in the Greek text. There's the para of the Holy Spirit where he walks with you. There's the end part where he is in you, but there's the epi of the Holy Spirit upon you. When Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, this is the epi. When Acts 1.8 says, you will receive power, it's the Holy Spirit coming upon you. I'm going to give the word of God. I'm going to love my wife, do what I can, be faithful to the Lord. But I believe there's these moments when the Holy Spirit speaks. And I'll tell you this. In America today, it's estimated that 75% of this church's focus is discipleship. Probably less than 15 even, maybe if I'm off here, is focused on evangelism. In the past six months, I have seen more churches getting focused on evangelism. And I believe God is actually speaking to many of these leaders and saying, you've got to get back to the call, get back to the Great Commission. Amen. Let me just say this to you. I'll wrap it up in just a few moments, but here's some ideas, Acts 16 and 6-7. They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Have you ever been forbidden by the Holy Spirit for anything? You ever felt him say, don't go there, don't witness here? And we're talking about the book of Acts, let's get real. They are going about this region of Phrygia and Galatia, and they're forbidden by the Holy Spirit. In verse 7 it says, And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. I'll tell you this, some things that I know about my own life. I don't feel called to go to Africa. I don't feel called to go minister in England. I'll go if people invite me, but there's certain things I feel called to. 
I feel called to Costa Rica. I feel called to parts of Texas. There's certain things, and I believe the Holy Spirit, if you listen to him, tells you what you shouldn't and what you should be doing. This is what it's saying. Listen to Acts 20 and 22. It says, Behold, Paul says, I am going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me as I get there, except that what? The Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and inflictions await me. He didn't know where he was going, but he knew all along the way the Holy Spirit was saying, you will be persecuted. You're going to be put to death eventually. And I can tell you this through reading this verse. I've never spoken to an angel, amen? The Bible says you may entertain them, but no nine-foot being has showed up in my house and told me this or told me that. But throughout my life, since coming to faith, I believe there's these moments where the Holy Spirit impresses on us. Go plant a church. Marry this girl. Go repent to this person. I want you to share with that suicidal skateboarder right now. You know what? Your boss is going through hell. Go and be the light. Why has it got to be someone else? Why can't it be us? And I say all of this because about an angel and the spirit. When you read in Acts 8 and 26, and guys, I know this is a lot of the word, but we need the word. Amen. It's life. Listen to this verse, just open-minded. Acts 8, 26. Now an angel of the Lord, so who's speaking? An angel. An angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go towards south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. So Philip does it. He goes and honors the, the angel's voice. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, who was queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Who told Philip to go? An angel. Amen. He encounters this Ethiopian eunuch, and while he walks up to him, the Bible says in verse 29, and the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. An angel says one thing, and he knows it's an angel. And the next minute, the Spirit of God says something, he knows it's the Spirit of God. Do you want to know the Spirit of God like this? Do you? Because if an angel shows up, I know it's an angel, amen? But I want to know the Spirit of God like this, Why? Because we could push out all these evangelistic formulas, all these methods, and support 50 ministries, and we should. There's people who are actually going in the name of Jesus. Amen? Or we could all leave this place, what is this, a hundred or so people, and simply say, Lord, I'm going to do the work of an evangelist. I'm going to simply listen. I'm not saying get funky and crazy, but what I'm saying is, you know the number one reason why people don't go to church? No one invites them. You know the number one time to evangelize someone is when you're eating with them after church. When you bring someone to a church and they sit here and they might judge me or think what I'm saying or consider and they go and say, I don't really like what he was saying. He was saying this. You get to evangelize them. When they say, I love that guy. He said all these things that was relevant, but what about this verse? You get to evangelize that person. What if in the W Church and the church I'm part of and the churches in Orange County, rather than it being about bigger and better and being the most motivational, we simply said, hey, Lord, lead me with your Holy Spirit, one by one, daily, to those people to share. Because Acts 15, 28, listen to this. It says, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements. God hasn't given us more than we can carry. He's given us enough every day and the burden is what? Light and the yoke is easy. 
He's called us to do magnificent things that literally make the angels praise and worship him and turn and look into the things that you and I live out. I say this because as people say this, how do you live such an evangelistically focused life? There's four simple points I try and stick to. Who am I around and who am I in contact with? That's the going. How can my story lead to a conversation about the gospel? What have you gone through? Where are you standing? What is going on in your life? Baseball, skateboarding, the doctors begin to start a conversation to get to the gospel. Third thing, am I praying? And this is huge, guys. Am I praying for God to open doors daily? I had a friend of mine. He's walked with the Lord forever, and we were sharing one day, and I said, do you really care in a service? How many of you guys really care if those people walk by, go to heaven or hell? And he goes, you know, I'm just sometimes so drained, I don't know if I do. He loves the Lord. He loves people. But do we pray for open doors and forthing? Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me? Where do these thoughts come from? A verse in the book of Acts, Acts 17 and 16, listen to this. While Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw the city was full of idols. That means he was compassionate. He saw where the homeless were. He saw the guy obsessed with money. He saw the person who was rebellious or new age and off in the world. And he was moved in his spirit. So Paul, what did he do? So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons, but also in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. He intentionally came to the W Church and hung out with you. But when he left tonight, he shared with whoever happened to be there. You were going to run into whoever's all day. Are they the people the Lord is leading you to share with? But there's a time when you are intentional. I want to wrap up with a few thoughts. Are we okay on time? Guys, let me say this to you. The results of all evangelism is never based on you. This isn't performance. This isn't portfolio. People have said, how is it that evangelists are so bold? And I believe God makes evangelists so when the church looks at them, they say, I need to evangelize. Amen? We see teachers and theologians and scholars and we say, well, I want to read more. We see someone that's prophetic and we go, well, I want to hear what the Lord's saying. God has presented it this way. But why are people bold? I was emboldened when I realized, God, I don't do any of this anyway. The Bible says some plant, some water, but God what? Gives the increase. Isaiah 55, 11 says the word goes out and never attains void. All I've got to do, dad, is show up and say he's good, he's faithful, make sure I understand the gospel, love on people, share with people. Why? Because sadly, he's already told us, Matthew 7, 14, the gate is narrow and few will find it. Of the 10 people you might share with him this week, I don't know how many will respond. But he did say, Bless you. All the Father gives me will what? Come to me and my sheep hear my voice and they what? Follow me. God is the one who does the saving through the sacrifice of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. But we are the ones who go in his name and make disciples. Amen. Closing with this thought and this idea. Reading through the Old Testament many years ago. Lord, what does it look like to live for you? And we encountered a man called Ezekiel. Ezekiel has an encounter with God. You know what God called him? You're my watchman. What was a watchman's goal? If I'm the watchman tonight, all of you are safe within the commune. Here I am, and I'm watching for the hills and the fire and the struggle and the battle. And if I see the oncoming death, and I don't blow that horn, I don't let you know. God actually says in the text, and I'm going to be accountable for everyone's blood. 
And what's amazing about the text is God tells Ezekiel, I'm going to make your face like flint because Israel will not listen to you. And just because Ezekiel went, the Bible says God got glory and the angels began to worship. It isn't about who gets saved. Pray that they do. The harvest is ripe, but the labor is what? There's few. We need to pray. But the idea is that I've been called to be a watchman. So are you. I'm not saying we're guilty of everyone we don't witness with. But why wouldn't we? If we truly believe the greatest news and the next person you see, just say, God, there's Brian, that suicidal skateboarder that could die and enter hell for eternity. I say that because this thought of the watchman, it's what I want to end with in Acts 20 and 24. Listen to Paul's own words to us. It's beautiful, Acts 20, 24. I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself. If only that I may finish my course and the ministry that I have received from the Lord Jesus and to testify of the gospel and of the grace of God. Now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching or proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again, meaning he's about to die. He knows he's not going to see them again. He says, therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all because I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. You hear this man, and he wasn't moved by guilt. He was moved by love. He had a conviction. He was blinded by a light. He encountered Jesus, made it to the road to Damascus, is filled with the Spirit of God, and he was radical for Jesus. And there's nothing different about us than him, than Billy Graham, than anyone else, than your favorite theologian or most humble person you know. But what was my goal in being here tonight? is that when we would leave, more people would be evangelized. That this community would say, God, in the midst of my marriage and my job and my life, we want to live for you. We want to practice listening to the Holy Spirit. We want to dig into these verses, the book of Acts. Guys, go through it like crazy. Master it. Let it master you and see people come to faith, believe that God is faithful, and be used by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, you guys. Well, hopefully you were blessed and encouraged by that. And we are now all the more familiar with the person of the Holy Spirit, not just in what we said, what you heard, but as now you begin to go and live that in your own walk with your spouse, with your kids, and of most importance, with sharing with others. Again, these are recorded at my home, myself, and Isaac, and sometimes a few others. And this is all based on donation and time and effort. Please share these, write reviews, get the word out so we can reach more and more people. And if you would like to become a monthly partner at the Ministry of Missions, Marriages of Ministry that I am fully focused on, briansumner.net slash support. The link will be below. God bless you guys. See you for episode 20. Amen. This has been brought to you by the One Story Podcast.